Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Next Reel, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Steve Sarmento. Hello, Steve. Hello. Good evening. And Tom Metz right over there. Tommy. Uh, hello, gentlemen. Nice to be here. And Andy Nelson is over there as well. Hello. This is a uh, special edition of the, the uh, Next Reel. It's the Film Board, monthly uh, opportunity for us to catch up on a, on a current movie. And spoil uh, the hell out of and it. And spoil the hell out of it. So don't, uh, you know, you want to... 
you know, step back away from your computer or audio device if you have not seen tonight's feature. You're next. And I'd like to open with an email because I'm, I'm very excited to hear our, an initial response. This email is from Tom Metz. Oh, and what? The subject line is, <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> and right. and, and the, the, here's the content. I feel better about pushing so hard for your next for the podcast, 76% on Metacritic, which, for a horror film, is through the roof. Looking forward to Saturday. T, sent from my iHeart. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I may have typed that. <laughs> I'm trying to stay very subdued because, as you all may surmise, I am filled with some sort of cultural rage over this film. <laughs> and so I would very much like to hear your thoughts uh, first. I, I hope somebody can talk me down. I hope uh, somebody can talk me down about uh, about this film. And uh, Tom, since you just saw it, I mean, we are we were holding the phone here. Yes, just came from the theater. Back. I'm very interested in in your most freshest insights. <laughs> um. <clears throat> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll just get right to it. I was incredibly surprised and incredibly disappointed in the film. Uh, it's gotten so much good buzz. It uh, destroyed at Sundance. The reviews, again, for a horror film have been exceedingly strong. And to be honest, I kept waiting for the film to show up. The film that all of these people seem to love and all these critics say or is a fresh view and a new kind of way of doing horror filmmaking, uh, I thought it had a couple interesting things, but pretty much it was a garbage movie. I'm sorry. No, I, no, you've, you, no, please, let's continue. You hold that. Let's although, continue. Although, just to clarify, it was not Sundance, it was uh, Toronto. Toronto. My bad, okay. Oh, well, Canadians, there you go. <laughs> Now we have someone to blame it on. <laughs> oh, <thank God. laughs> a patsy. Uh, Steve, Steve, you're the gentle moderate of the group. Please give us your initial thoughts. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> this film was, at first, I thought, this is two separate films. And then I realized this really is perhaps the director and writer's showcase almost of... Uh, a proof of concept reel that they can do a variety of things because this <laughs> film had a lot of different things that it was shifting. It shifted gears in a couple different ways that were different types of films or different types of filmmaking that were sort of woven together in this film. And if you look at each of those segments and appreciate it for what that portion of the film was trying to do and evaluate it on its strengths and that type of filmmaking, I think it was successful, and I enjoyed this film. I love that everyone gets to have their own opinion. I totally respect that. But it is impossible for me to catalog the number of things that you're full of right now. <laughs> Shall I break it down for you? <laughs> Not yet. Andy? Well, you know how I feel about horror films, Pete. You're a sucker. A I enjoy chump. horror films. I know. <laughs> I don't know if Chumper's sucker define it quite correctly <laughs> but i do tend to enjoy them and this film fits into a lot of these uh stories that have been coming out recently and and i 
actually for quite a while, this kind of like stuck in a, an isolated house being attacked by strangers sort of story. And I think it fits fine in that uh, field of films. Um, like Tom, I agree that I was kind of expecting this, these big uh, you know, changes to the genre and all this sort of stuff to be happening. Um, but I wasn't disappointed by it. I mean, I, I didn't walk out loving it. I, I wasn't surprised by it, but I didn't hate it. I, en- I would say I enjoyed it. I walked out enjoying it. I am I'm stunned. I'm stunned at those <laughs> responses. I really am. And it's not even like I, 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 I'm with Tom. Man, I was waiting so long for the movie to start. I, it was a, uh, a parade of um, the, the sort of D-list high school actors uh, wandering around and playing Murder in the Dark with ketchup. Like it was, it was not scary uh at all uh at any point you know i i don't like the good ones because they make me kind of sick and think especially the house ones you know where there's people kind of sneaking around your house watching your house that 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 i don't jive with that because the good ones they get me and i think about this one these even the big twist the twist in which i was supposed to be it was supposed to reveal this new and refreshing and fantastic harkening uh, in the next generation of hollywood horror and oh my god it was better than the blair witch project which also sucked by the way mm. uh, this that twist happened i felt it when it happened and it that's when the movie absolutely deflates for me i mean it got worse from the bottom of the barrel it raced to the bottom with a bullet, this film. I can't believe how garbage this was. <laughs> I am I'm breaking out in a sweat. Like I <laughs> I've been holding is it, it in. Is it a stress sweat? Is that I what texted, it is? Stress sweat? I was texting, which smells terrible, apparently. Uh I was actively texting and Facebooking this movie and, and some of my uh I, like things things like I've I've I'm preparing to swallow my own tongue to end it all. And I feel like judging from my experience uh, against the uh, reviews, uh, we are witnessing the fall of civilization. <laughs> well, I have to, I mean, I have to, I have to be upfront again. I think I did start by saying it. I'm also an enormous, enormous fan of horror films. And I maybe let, I maybe didn't see it with fresh eyes in the way that I was really, I didn't read any reviews of it, but I just saw the, you know, Metacritic scores and how people were talking about it. So I really went in with a high, um, what you call it, expectations. And I usually don't do that for horror. I do the opposite. So it's maybe a little bit unfair how harsh I feel about it. But I was just so let down that uh, that's why I'm more in Pete's uh, side, definitely with this. I'm very forgiving with horror films, and this one I was exactly the opposite. I yeah I, I yeah I I feel like I'm gonna be um, well uh, less like, constructive. Okay. So, so I, Pete, I really need to hear some somebody yeah, to not, defend it. There's nothing coming out of out of your mouth, Pete. That's gonna that's gonna save this film. So Tom, I have some questions for you since you are a horror lover. Please. So explain to me the 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 disappointments that you have in a film like this versus say something like uh, the Collector or the Strangers which are two comparable films about people stuck in a house dealing with people trying to kill them. 
Uh huh. Well, the collector I didn't think had much to say. It was more a little bit closer to like the final destination of just what is the biggest kind of Rube Goldberg grossest way and surprising way we can torture or kill people there can be something slightly interesting about that which i know makes me sound like a creep but i thought the strangers actually did have things to say i thought that that both that at vacancy if you remember that uh, the hotel movie right for being in such a contained space it actually pulled some tricks that i hadn't seen in a while and it was also very happy to sit in silence to not have when you see the character uh, show up in the behind the person who's unaware that they're there to be in the house to show up in the the uh, what you call it the reflection of the window. It doesn't need to hit you in the throat with the music. It just sort of lets it sit. It was very the strangers I thought was really comfortable with silence for a lot of it, and I loved that. I thought it was actually really strong. So this movie, it was doing all the same tricks that the other ones did, except. Uh, it was only jump scares. There was very little eeriness to it, which I usually appreciate, that kind of rising feeling of suspense. Um, it was mainly just sort of waiting around for someone to turn around too quickly and to get a crossbow in the throat. <laughs> so I just didn't think it had much to say. And I thought that there were a lot of chances for it, too. The bickering family I thought was really interesting. One of the parts that I got really interested in was after the first... Uh, crossbow attack and things are coming down two things and let me know if I'm talking too much two things one thing that's really overlooked in horror movies and I love it when it happens is scenes of group panic that usually the first thing that horror movies want to do is separate everybody out and there are certain horror movies that do it really well of having five to six to seven people in a room all dealing with this kind of terror and then evolving into horror at their situation that can be really really powerful and much more scary than just someone going down into a basement. So I was excited about that. It did not last very long in this movie. Number two, I liked that the bickering kind of raised up and continued as what's-his-name had the arrow in his back. Some interesting things to sort of do with that, like how people, how this family dynamics, this dysfunctional family would continue to devolve and get more and more crazy and sort of add some comedy to the terror. Uh, and then they immediately lost that, too. Um, okay, okay, okay. So now I, I, I let give me give me a response here, um, Steve. You had some some points to. Oh, you had a point on on this. Oh yeah, and I I think you know, if we're going to stick in the in the beginning part here. Yeah, well, yeah. In the beginning, know, before it, it, the it, twist. Right before the twist. So I, I call it sort of part one. And, and Tom, I, I agree with you. The the family dynamic was really interesting. And even the, the di before. That first crossbow bolt comes through. The discussion at the at the dinner table setting up this dynamic between these characters, and you realize, you know, it's this really these will, really wealthy bratty kids. Right. It's and fun. It's like I mean Drake. I mean I, I turned to the guy I was seeing it with. I said, Oh my gosh, this guy is such an ass. His comments about oh underground film festivals are those underground and right. oh well I think I've seen a documentary commercial before. I was like, <laughs> this is hilarious. This guy is yeah. either he's either completely disconnected from from you know society or he's just playing this game for his sister you know to his sister's you know friend that she she brought this you know filmmaker and he's just messing with this guy and i'm like either way it's it's an interesting dynamic for that character which then set up for the point when you have that uh 
the, the group sort of responding to the chaos and they're like, okay, we're going to run for the car. And then there's that bickering about who's the fastest runner. You know, it's like, no, I, I you know, you know, Crispin's like, no, I can run. They're like, no, you're, you used to be fat. You can't run. I'm going to run. And then, you know, Amy, the, <laughs> you know, daddy's little princess is like, how come nobody believes me? I can run fast. And she like throws off, like, you know, I ran a mile in this fast, you know? And they're like, okay, go for it. And I thought this is a really hilarious dynamic because these are people that just are so out of touch and there's always this like gamesmanship between like you know competing for like their parents attention or there's a really interesting dynamic that was fun to see that added i i think that sense of this movie is taking itself seriously in a different way i yeah. guess uh so i thought okay to me, I, I was expecting something like The Strangers, which is a movie that I love. And I, I, the way this film was promoted, oh, that's good. that's what I was expecting. You know, it's like, oh, the animals are are hunting us and all that. And it, it, it shifts away from that and becomes something else. But I thought in this beginning part, it, it seemed to set that up enough. Um, and contributing to that chaotic family moment, there was the jiggly monkey camera uh, that was just in that moment. That sort of gets back to where I feel like the filmmakers are showcasing, hey, we can do a silent, you know, this first part of the film, we can do a silent, suspenseful, tension-building horror film. Oh, we can do an action sequence. So we, we've got chaotic filmmaking going on. Jiggly Cam was the, the family is like scrambling under the table and running with chairs past the window. But okay, this that is... That was so, I'm sorry, but so ridiculous. What, that, that, why me, was that ridiculous? Oh to my me, goodness! That's the most real thing. That's where you, it's, I thought, "Wow, these are actually smart people." You've got the one guest, you know. You've got Crispin's girlfriend, Aaron, saying, "You know, okay, take this chair, and you're going to run past the window. We can't be in front of the windows because, you know, there's somebody out there with there, a crossbow." There so, is. There was so nothing intelligent chair. about that. You pick up a chair that has no wood backing to it. These arrows are like going. They're going through things, right? They're going through things, and yeah. yet there is like a. Three foot, uh, a, a three foot half wall that they could crawl under and stay out of view of the window. It was nothing, nothing, nothing that was smart about picking up those chairs. You get on the ground and you no. scoot. But if the guy's right there at the window. He can shoot through the window right down at you. So you you run quickly and you know they. You know, again, it's accepting the reality that you're presented in the movie. Okay, which was. Which was, as I said, insipid. Andy, no, please, and, well, please no. tell but me real, how much I'm wrong. Back well, up, can I back up on what Steve said really quick? I'm sorry to interrupt, Andy. Is I liked the chairs part because it was something. Usually they just stand up in front of the windows and run. Pete, I know that it can seem insipid and stuff, but there is a certain amount of course, and you know this, a certain yeah. amount of suspension of disbelief that you have to go into with a horror movie because you're safe in a theater. Of course. So you know what you would do. You would of just crawl course. under that table where no one can see you. Uh, but the fact not, that... But not only that, but they prove the fact that it's not just some silly, silly tactic that they're using, but they actually have one of the crossbow bolts hit the chair and it doesn't go through. So right. they are they they actually demonstrate to us that in this movie, I didn't see that. Though, I, I didn't catch you. That. That's when you were texting. They actually, <laughs> they actually yeah, show that it through. does yeah. stop the crossbow bolt. Yeah. Well, uh, she you know, she uh, w when we saw the bolt go through, it, it stops, but it goes through enough that she was almost hit and killed well but it, it still slowed it down enough that it, it reduced the it wasn't yeah, it, a lethal shot right right, yeah. right 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 yeah all right so it worked well 
Okay. <laughs> I, I guess what I was saying is I appreciate the time to think of someone being like, let's use chairs and do this versus just right. kind of run. Well, yeah, exactly. and it's a, there is a functional utility to that for the character, which we need to uh, establish Sharni Vinson as somebody with smarts and power, and I get that. Like, I recognize that, that there is a functional role to having the chair there, and, and or the chair gimmick. Uh, so I, I'll let that go. That's fine. Move along. <laughs> Uh, Andy, you were you were about to you. I had tossed to you to tell yeah, me how well, wrong I, I am. No, I was just going back to the chair. I mean, we already <laughs> we already dealt with that. But um, you know, I I mean, I there are elements of this that I do have problems with, and you know, I like I said, I enjoyed this film. I acknowledge that it has problems, but it's you know, I've seen plenty of worse horror films, and I. I probably enjoy them all just as much, which is probably a sad thing to say. And it's not going to help any case that I try to make with this film. But there are problems in this film. And I do think that one of them is when the group does break up. And going upstairs and mom laying down and all that sort of stuff was just silly. And, and I do find one of the the ideas that this film presents at the beginning is that, you know, one of these people, or perhaps all of them, have been basically living in this house waiting for these people to arrive. And the fact that this one guy is basically living in the closet in, in mom and dad's bedroom for an entire day, for like a, a full at least, you know, you know, 50 hours, maybe not, maybe not that much, but they get there in the middle of the day, they spend one night, they have the whole next day, and these guys don't attack until dinner the next night. This guy is sitting in their closet, peeing in a bottle, and just all this stuff for that length of time. I did find that a little silly. It, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm like, come on, it's, he's not going to be able to be quiet for that long, and God forbid they open the closet to put something in it. <laughs> so that was that was a problem I, I had with the film. Um, but I did like that. I at least liked the idea that these guys were already inside. I liked that conceit that you don't often see. It's they're not just coming from the outside and attacking, trying to get in. They actually already have people inside. So. Yep. OK. I like okay. that, too. It was undercut a little bit for me in the fact that they seemed to make so much noise and then no one was able to fully Find search them. The, the one room that was. I mean, I could, have, <laughs> I could have used a little bit less of just not actually opening that one door where all the noise is coming from. But yeah, OK, right. but the but noisiest not, closet ever. Not not to give away, you know, twist things, but, you know, well, there, let's just say it from this point forward. We're spoiling it all. Well, no, I, I, just I, know, gonna, I know exactly oh, what you're going to say. Oh, because why he doesn't end up, why the father right. doesn't end up. I take your point. I get it. Can we start spoiling yet? Yes. Well, I was just going to say, it, there's, there's, you know, you look, you say they're all in the house together, but we could say there's somebody on the inside that, you know, again, you know, go, go, yeah, exactly. Go to the point when the father's going to check out the sound the first time, you know, and he he doesn't open that door. Why? Because... Someone distracts him from that. And there, there could have been multiple opportunities. You know, again, you can you can tell any story you want of like, well, this character could have done that. We didn't see that. You know, we, we don't know. But to me, it was all plausible that it's a huge house. There's enough space moving around. It didn't it didn't bother me because I'm going to accept the fact that, you know, given the, the what we learned about these these, you know, these hunters or the animals, you know, 
that's to me within the realm of possibly based on what we learn about them and what their life experience is, that seemed plausible to me that somebody would be camped out in that small space confined because it's something these guys would do. Agreed. And at least the dad finds it later and decides yeah. to cherish and uh, take and cherish the urine. <laughs> <laughs> Until the lights go out. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was really just getting into this urine. I think I'm going to take this urine and, I don't know, maybe I have what? Uh, I do a pee test that I can run on it? Uh, DNA? I, what am we gonna, Why am I taking this bottle of urine? Please. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I okay. So you just, just to, don't know how to lose yourself in a film, do no. you? You, you? You can't just sit back and say, "Present me with a story. Let me take it for what it is." You just analyze everything and second guess everything. Are you, are you a guy that doesn't enjoy Jurassic Park because the goat's there and then the goat's not there? It's now a thirty-foot drop. Do you get all Stop. critical and say, Stop, "I can't Steve. enjoy Jurassic Park because of that"? Trump, Steve. <laughs> I like Jurassic Park three. <laughs> you can't you can't get me on that i will lose myself in movies left and right okay, you so you accuse me of being the popcorn guy i love these kinds of movies that's except for these kinds of movies no except this was these, this yeah. was so radically unbelievable the performances were so bad in this film it wasn't it, it was oh. like such a horrible lampooning of themselves that that i couldn't get the joke i never that's the problem i never got the joke but the biggest problem with the film for me I, let's put it aside that it feels like a, a like i was seeing an eighth grade play I, I I was not scared, and I am an easy mark to be scared. I am an easy mark, and I was never once scared. The suspense uh, in this film uh, was not palpable. I didn't, even the, the beginning, sort of the scream style kind of, uh, uh, you know, initial uh, yeah. uh, uh, murder was, it was not, I, I didn't find that particularly compelling. I was looking forward to a little bit more suspense. I was muddling through the horrific performances of the family, uh, the mother's completely unrestricted warbling and, and, and crying. God, I could not wait for her to lose uh, you know parts of her, but the uh, but the real trick was for me at the twist. So I'm going to make the transition to the twist, right? Okay, but before before you do, so you're telling me none of those, you didn't have any of those jumps. So when when Dad's checking out the closet and Crispin sort of appears, there's a jump there. There's the point when um, when Aaron, you know, is in is in the kitchen and the arm comes through the window to grab her and she, you know, she takes the knife and pins his arm to the wall. Those, I mean, you didn't jump. There wasn't enough tension or suspense that you didn't sort of spill oh, your popcorn you know, or jump. You know, okay, I, I didn't scare. I, I wasn't scared. I no, agree. No, it wasn't it, a scary film. But there's you, surprises. There was, okay. But okay. I'm telling you, the problem with it is I wasn't surprised. They were all so horrifically predictable. Like, you, I knew I was about to jump when the arm and, came through. Yeah. I knew that he was going to, yeah. something was going to happen with the door. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. There yeah. was nothing that really, uh, that really set me up for a surprise. And that is, is a major failing in a movie like this. Even you guys who like movies like this, you have to agree that's a failing of this film. And that is a core component of the film. I now, don't know if I can, I can't agree with that. I mean, I think there, I, I don't think it's as a, scary a as a horror it, movie that doesn't scare that, you is a I'm, win. I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. I'm saying I think that it worked. I think that it was effective. It wasn't the scariest movie that I've ever seen, but it still made the audience jump. I mean, like I said, I 
I had a great audience to watch this with. Everybody was very into it. Lots of jumps, lots of talking back at the screen. It was a very exciting audience to watch it with. Now, audience reaction does often play a part in watching horror movies because it can amp up kind of that excitement and everything. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it, enjoyed it more. It was just a very excited audience, and, and they were getting into every little moment that was happening. It made it a very fun ride for me. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even as scary as The, uh, the Conjuring, which I, I don't think was as scary as it was made out to be, but it still was a, a nice little horror film. Agreed. But, but it still, I think it still was effective for me. So you're saying this was better than The Conjuring? No, that's not what I said. I, I, I didn't said, miss the point. I, I mean, I, mean, I the just conjuring, missed the conjuring. I said it, it wasn't as scary as The Conjuring, which then I said was not the scariest film that I've seen, uh, not as scary as okay. they made that one out to okay, be. Right. But I still found that more scary than this. But I still think this had some nice jump moments, and I enjoyed the, the tension and the, the horror in this film. Okay. Now we can spoil it. We can say spoiler, and at the spoiler, I will admit... This turns into a different movie. Steve, would you like to share? What sure. The, cause, what, cause, what happens? Cause, well, because because part one is to me, I was expecting that like strangers, home invasion, suspenseful thing, and the music, everything was built was surrounded, you know, around that. It, it was key to that. And then we get the point, and where there's there's a big twist, and the character, I think his name is Felix, basically says something along the lines of, "Did you have to do that right in front of me?" And then it turns into something else. And again, now any attack, I know at this point, this film is no, can no longer be scary because it's stopped being like a, who are these guys to them? them against why? Us. It's, it's, like, it's like a, why it's, it's like a, why are they doing this? Type which I thing. didn't. Yeah. Which, which was a pretty obvious why I thought. Well, yeah, it, it did. But you know, so I'm like, okay, we're going to start to get a little bit more this. And I don't know if any of you caught this. To me, it seemed really obvious. All of a sudden, the score changed, and we were getting like John Carpenter synth yeah. '80s. And I thought, oh, I don't remember that music before. It was like, yeah. I'm like, that's cueing me into they are going in a completely different direction with this movie. We're going into like '80s horror, cheesy fun, slasher gore, you know. And that's what this movie then became. And so I said, okay, now my expectation. I'm going to shift my expectations, and now it's just going to become. How, you know, how's everybody getting killed? How are they going to do some unique twists on this? You know, to have the lone survivor at the end, because that's I know where we're going because we're in, you know, 80s horror realm. You know, the, the, the young girl that's, you know, out against everybody. And it became silly and ridiculous and fun. And I think they mission accomplished on that well, because it, it had one of the most creative and laughable <laughs> kills. <laughs> and people yeah. were like, and the audience were like, no, oh, no, she didn't. Oh, yes, she did. She plugged in the blender. It was hilarious. <laughs> I don't, I, I actually, I, on that point, I think her, uh, I, I think her confession of that, her delivery of her confession of that to Crispin was even better. You know, where, where's yes. Felix? I put a blender on his head. That, that was, was great. That was probably the highlight of the film for me. And, and it's 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 a different film. It's it's, it's to me. I always go back to something I recall from Roger Ebert when people were critical of him, like, "How can you give this film four stars? You know, if you, if you give The Godfather four stars, how can you give this other film four stars? Are you saying it's as good as The Godfather?" And his response was, "I judge a film on the merits of what it's trying to accomplish," and. 
if it's if it's a comedy and it does it really well, it's a four star comedy. You don't say, oh, well, a four star film is as good as another four star film. It's based on the merits of what it's trying to accomplish. And for me, they shifted gears and were had a different goal now of we're going to do a different type of movie now within this same story. And I think they did it very well. Well, cause, and they they effectively put us in the know. Like we we knew everything that was going on at that point. And now the the real the real game was when will she find out? How long is it <laughs> going to take for her to get clued in to to really what's going on with all this stuff? And if you look uh, yeah, back I, at the beginning of the film, there's enough clues, I think, to see that it's not like this sudden shift. I mean, there's things about, oh, well, dad's retired. He's, you know, he worked for this defense contracting company. I thought, oh, okay. So now that, now I see a connection to where Felix would have met these guys, possibly. You know, we've, there's, there's the the money in there. Because when, um, when I think her name's Kelly goes next door to try to, you know, talk to the neighbor. And when that, when I think it's, I forget which face it is, if it's a lamb face or rabbit face. The lamb comes through. I'm looking at what he's wearing. I'm like, this looks like military gear that he's got yeah. on. Oh my gosh. Right. Okay. This. Okay. So at that point, I don't know everything yet, but I was thinking, okay, so this ties back to dad's employment or retirement. Maybe he's got some information that somebody wants, but there's clearly some connection to his former employer somehow. So I, I thought, okay, now as we learned about Felix, I thought, okay, this makes sense. So it's not just Oh, he's got a lot of money. He hired some guys, but there was within their, you know, the world of this film and what these characters would know and have access to. It made sense to me. So I was like, okay, even though it's in a different direction, it's logical. You know, there's, there's things in it, you know, with, with Crispin, you know, it's discussions of, you know, he didn't get the fellowship. It's setting up these things. So I see his role in that. And even if you think about it, when he, Crispin and Aaron, their first night there, and she's, you know, he's talking about, you know, his family and that, you know, things might be kind of weird. And she says something like, you know, there's people that would kill to have a family like yours. You get the sense of she's come from a pretty rough life. And, you know, she's with this guy who's got and you should have it easy, all this money and everything. And there's a few things she said that just sort of I thought, OK, she's coming from, a, you know, a place where maybe she had to work really hard for things. And we learn, you know, a little bit more about her survivalist background. I thought, OK, so again, they connected the dots through. And it wasn't like things came out of nowhere. I could see that they had laid, you know, minimal, you know, foundational pieces in the first part of the film so that when it shifted gears, oh, these characters still were acting in a way that would be logical within the world that they're setting up. It wasn't like, oh, it just forget everything from the first half. We're going to do something different. It's still connected through for me. I got to be completely honest. I didn't make a lot of those connections. I knew that the family had money, so I had I was thinking that maybe something was going to be an inside job, but you just sort of laid out, you and Andy both just laid out a lot of train tracks that I didn't connect until just now. So I appreciate that. That's interesting. Traitor. Thank you, but <laughs> no, but I do want to say oh, no. Yeah, no, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. One thing that the twist, the double twist, I guess it is, um, did set up was disappointing because going back, so now now you know the twist, so you can go back to the beginning. So I'm going to lay my own train tracks. What? Anyways, um, <laughs> is that the movie had character motivation is always one of the big 
no pun intended, killers in horror movies, of people doing stupid things for stupid reasons just because we need them to die. So right. that's why they split up. That's why go, they go into basements, all that kind of stuff. One of the things with the twists in mind that this movie kind of really interestingly had in its back pocket was there were a number of people on the inside that could help orchestrate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While, we, yeah. while we talked about let's dis, let's uh, distract dad from going in the closet, that's a thing. But there was too much other things that people could have been doing dumb things, but then it turns out, oh, they did it because they had an agenda. And that mm-hmm. would have been really smart. Like, for instance, the scene, while I liked the emotion of it in the beginning when they're deciding who should run outside, yes, Beardy, um, Crispin does take his girlfriend, the one competent person there, and is like, oh, kind of stay out of this. But then the father is also agreeing, yes, I should send out my young daughter Right. On a sprint to go outside, granted into something <laughs> horrible. But they should they didn't need to do that. They could have the father could have been saying no, but then the number of people that were in on it could have been saying, It's gotta happen this way. It's gotta happen this way. Yeah. And the fact that they didn't use that because with that happening during the movie, you would have been like, oh, dumb horror characters. And then later, what a payoff that would be. Yeah. That's and I true. feel totally I just feel disappointed of like, why wouldn't they use that shit that they had? Because no horror movies have that usually. That could have been so cool. So interesting. Yeah. In, in the context of kind of wasted opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there, were, there were a couple of things as I reflected on it, looking back in that, the first part, looking at how, uh, you know, like it's Felix and Z sort of behave because there was, you know, when the arrows are coming through, you see that they're they're in a different part of the room. They're like distance themselves off or when when Aaron just takes that that meat tenderizer and just beats the crap out of that guy. They're like, she's like, oh, thanks for the help. He's like, well, I can see you sort of had it handled. And then, you know, as you realize they're in on it, it's like, oh, that's okay. The, again, consistent behavior. But you know, you know I what? Please, I, the, ca- let's. I, this may even be a, a question of casting. Casting the the you know the brooding and dark Nicholas Tucci as the guy who was in on the brooding and dark horrifying thing is yet another example of incredible predictability in this film. The moment those two walked in and started kind of waltzing through the script, you you know that they're they're the ones who are uh, uh, who are going to be behind. <laughs> it's like it's like casting Frank Langella as the family friend. Right, <laughs> right. You're just waiting for that to turn. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, I, I mean that's a and and you know Joe Swanberg, uh, Drake's character is going to be the yeah. first to go, mostly because apparently they've seen his movies and and you know so th- there are I, I mean uh, th- there's just a series of interesting sort of predictable. Think now had had that you sh- put all the characters in a in a dice cup and shake them all out again and suddenly Sharni Benson is the one on the inside track. Now we have a movie. Who is Sharni Benson? She was Sharni. She was Sharni. Vincent was Aaron. She, she was, was the, the main survivalist. The survivalist. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Because that would have been a serious, serious twist. Sure. That would have been yeah. a twist that would have been interesting. Otherwise, every everything else was just absolutely uh, a cast to uh, to character. I I mean, it's just. Uh, to be honest, though, I didn't see Crispin being in on it. 
I saw yeah, Crispin I coming either. in at the end of the movie and getting just when Shawnee uh, wins the entire thing. Oh, Crispin yeah. comes in, ding it's dong. Through the front door and gets the axe in the head. I thought it was going to be a real nihilistic ending like that. Oh, I could have used that. what about the ending they did have? a nihilistic ending. Oh, but what about the ending they did have, though? I Pretty mean, nihilistic. Yeah, it's still pretty nihilistic. It wasn't say. nihilistic enough. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it was. It was exactly what you needed for to end for a film like this. No, I thought exactly. it, it worked fine. It worked fine for me. I, Sky would have preferred, and I know that this is creeps, but I would have preferred that she didn't get shot in the shoulder and ended up as a suspect. Yeah. I wanted it more like the original Night of the Living Dead. Oh well, one yeah. person that knows the truth yeah. and that fought her ever-living heart out and got the stuff is destroyed by ignorance at the very end. Yeah. Just because I like, I'm, I like unhappy endings sometimes just because they're so rare. Yeah. That would have been, it would have been a nice, uh, a nice bit to end it that way. I agree. Um, but you know, it, as it ended, I still enjoyed it. I mean, you know, the, she's got a cop's slug in her shoulder and yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I still enjoyed the way it ended. And I, I have to say, I really enjoyed the fact that she had this booby-trapped door, and as soon as she did it, not a single person came through that door. I know! Everybody <laughs> used the window. The window. They broke yes. the window. They did, and they made the... such a point of, I mean, just the number of close-ups of tying the knots and wrapping yeah. around the yeah. things. That was, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like the coolest version of Home Alone ever. I, that actually, it was was a point that I made to myself. Like, wouldn't this movie have been better with Macaulay Culkin in it? Uh, you know, the 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 problem with the twist for me was, and and I, you know, and I'm I'm interested in, I genuinely interested in your guys your your takes on this. Wait, uh, Pete, those you're saying that you saw Crispin being in on it? Yeah, totally. He fair was enough. gone. He was gone too long. He was gone too long. Yeah. yeah he was fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um. So I uh, I am the seer of all plots, Tom. Uh, I understand. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Oracle. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like I sometimes I like the twists, right? You know, I'm I, I like the twists, but but in this case, I get the twist, and what they end up doing with this, you know, as I'm already trying so hard to be scared. Uh, is they deflate the the horror aspect, and as you guys have said, they they change the tone of the movie. It's now a different movie, and you have to change your perspective. And I get that. I get what they're kind of asking of me. But isn't that on some level a betrayal to the intent of the film that they're that they set up? In this case, they built in a horror movie, and they created these characters that are that could be genuinely scary. I mean, you know, ultimately, I think the promotional art was scarier than the actual implementation of the guys in the masks uh but by the time the quiz the twist comes they now have made them even less palpable right in, in terms of a terror to the family and from that point on it it's sort of clumsy to me it's just it's just another sort of clumsy plod through the second half of the movie which now has very little relationship to the first both in tone and tenor and in you know uh, ultimately loosely in plot Well, you know, here's the thing is it, 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 it the, the twist sort of, you know, the, the pivot turns from, you know, which which is what I appreciated about this was it turned from, OK, them being hunted to she's turning the tables on them where now it's like what what traps can she set for these guys? Because now you start to feel like. Okay, how long do do these guys have left? It's not how long will this family survive. It's like how long before she takes out all these invaders? 
you know, the, the yeah, three, the three guys it, the tables have now, now turned and it's now, you know, how long is it going to take her to, to, to get rid of all these guys and what creative ways is she going to lure them into, into her traps and, and basically be able to survive the, the night. It's no different than the, the change that when, whenever the, the protagonist of your story finally takes that, you know, takes the helm to take charge and, and survive in a situation in a film like this. It's just like, you know, Last House on the Left or like yep. I brought up earlier, The Collector. I mean, these are people who now have to basically change their tactics. They've, they all of a sudden have kind of a leg up on the, the attacker and they're able to uh, turn the tables. And in that sense, I mean, it, it fits right in. And so I didn't think that that change in tone when we all of a sudden learn that Felix and Z are in on it I, and, and we kind of meet the lamb, tiger, and fox, we kind of get to know who they are a little more. I didn't find that that was enough of a tonal shift for me that all of a sudden I was taken out of the movie and I was like, whoa, 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 this is all out of left field. What kind of movie am I watching here? I, for me, it still fit in with the genre. I didn't have any problem with it. Okay. Yeah. Right, I, liked, I liked that part a bit because the movie woke up again for me. And, yeah, I, liked and, and the, I, I liked the nod to Straw Dogs with her trying to warm up. Or maybe it was Last House on the Left. I think it was Straw Dogs. Oh, where she boils up. the water. We're boiling yeah. the water and then it's and way then it was, late. Yeah. <laughs> but then he slips on, but then he slips <laughs> on but it. And I was like, slip on it. Yeah. But, which again, I, you know, there's the, the comic elements. And I think, you know, I'm kind of interested in a second viewing to see how you know, the, you know, looking at Aaron and like this family and just how so, you know, comical they are, because like I said, you know, Drake's got his moments, but then you think about, you know, you think about Felix and this, this girlfriend who, while they're sitting on the bed with his mom's corpse, that and was that a highlight. Moment, and I was like, Dude, what kind of people are you involved with? This is just yeah. like, what kind of weirdo are you, really? That I was like, this, this. So I mean, it's it's grim. sick and funny and grim, but it's like, okay, so you get it, you know? It's just like, wow, the the, the dynamics of this family are just really messed up. Apparently, you know, even early on, they, mom's on some type of medication, can't have alcohol, so you know, she's dealing with with her stuff. But to me, it's like they're just setting up this wealthy family that just has all these huge issues. And it's almost played for for a comic, you know, theme through the through the film that's you know got these horror elements sort of you know w woven in in with it. It's a, a really different type of uh, you know approach to the to these characters, you know. And Aaron is your typical you know lone survivor of the horror film, but the people she's in with are just a really unique cast of characters that kept it fresh for me. Anyway, I mean, when when Felix is in the basement with Drake. I mean, it's just, you know, it's stab. And he's like, why won't you die? You're making this so hard for me. And he's got like, well, like six or seven screwdrivers in his chest <laughs> at the end. It's like, it's, it's like, here's somebody who's just, you know, Felix, you know, he's got to pay guys to do something because he's really incompetent. You know, all, he doesn't yeah. know. He can't, he can't kill anybody if he tries, you know, really, really hard. They all are. Crispin is a pacifist. Crispin is yes, a pacifist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, I can't do this. I'm a pacifist. Oh, I really yeah. Where, kids, yeah. Where, yeah. where the movie would have been that kind of fresh, kind of interesting take is just I needed all of that from so I'm sorry, not all of it, but so much of it stopped after uh, the daughter ran into out the door. 
<laughs> I, wanted, I wanted so much more time with all yeah. the family together, yeah. having all of their horrible dysfunction. And I mean, that scene, I know it was already brought up, but her saying, how come nobody ever thinks about me? I'm a fast yeah. runner. I could have used, that should have been another 45 minutes mm-hmm. of oh, slowly wow. picking people off versus oh, yeah. just just taking, because then otherwise it just became a, for me again, I, I, a low rent version of The Strangers. Uh, I just well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, and, and Tom, I think part of it had, you know, like I said, I was looking forward to this because I really enjoyed The Strangers. And I think I don't know how much I can fault the filmmakers versus how, you know, marketing chose to promote this film. You know, and as oh, Pete said, the, 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 the posters are scarier and it's setting up expectations. And as I said, it's one of these cases of the, the image of the film that's sold versus what, you know, the filmmakers really crafted. And it's something very, very different and unique. And I think that may be. You know, it's it's not going to have as strong a box office because people want those scares and they're going to get something really different. But I hope it does find its audience because this horror comedy type thing is a really unique creature. And if you approach it that way, I think, you know, it, you know, if it was something in the 80s, it's going to find that uh, I, I go back to one of. I don't know if any of you guys remember the film April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah. I own it. it. Yeah, you know, it, it, nice. it's type of it, it has that type of of tone to it, where it's like it's scary, but then it's got these, you know, and it's it's. It, I would say in the eighties, this is a movie that would have found its audience on home video. So maybe you know, I, it'll find its it'll it'll find its video in you know on streaming and DVD and and all that. I, later. I think you may you may have just put your finger on my resentment of this film, uh, Steve, and it's it, it's Mrs. not because. No, no, no. It's not because I didn't like horror movies in the 80s, right? It's because I feel like uh, the the sort of gestalt of horror movies, uh, of horror comedy movies has changed, uh, and my expectation has sort of changed with it. When, when you say horror comedy movie, I think something like Zombieland. Uh, and mm, that that is a different vibe for me. It is a it, it's it, it's that's a comedy horror film. It's more comedy than horror. Where this is yeah. horror. But the problem the is comedy. this was neither horrific nor funny. <laughs> Come on! How can you not laugh at those moments when that John Carpenter synth score and 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 Aaron standing framed in the doorway? You know she's all grubby and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And that synth is going. I was like, that's like this. I you know it's just that stereotypical shot and the music. I'm like, wow! They really captured homage to that those types of films, and they did it. That's what they did. And was it a film it, that didn't need homaging? Oh, and it wasn't, wasn't it right around there too? Also, where they the the silent the killer is the tiger or one of them, just kind of silently steps in the background across the background in the frame, and it, it fit nicely with that whole Halloween yeah. vibe. And it, with oh, the yeah. John Carpenter music, it had yeah. that tone going through that. And, I, I and there's it. a and there's a big um, reference to Halloween just because you were saying that when he it happens in the neighbor's house when he kills Screamy Magoo not in the cold open but later yeah, uh, when he Kelly. kills when oh, he kills yeah. her and then sits down and yeah. then does that tilt of the head <laughs> right just yeah. to watch that her, sociopathic yeah. tilt of the head of oh like death means nothing to me now yeah. that that that's scene a, that's a huge iconic moment for oh, I think yeah. Michael right, Myers right, right. Yeah. that that scene there was uh it was one of the few things that really bothered me because she she comes up to the house and the you know the doors have been cl- the screen the glass doors have been cleaned off 
Right. So I'm like, okay. So in the in the cold open, we get the you know blood, you know you're next written on there, and I thought, okay, so they did that for what reason? Just to spook that guy? Because if really the plot is to like set up this whole thing of like these strange people came in and killed not only their family but the neighbors, then you would leave that there. But the only reason, but so because that builds the case of oh, there were these lunatics co- coming through mm-hmm. the countryside that killed the neighbors and and our and our parents and were the lone survivors. But by cleaning that off, as as Kelly comes to the house and you know knocks on the door and everything, I'm like, well, you clean that off. So all right, I'm gonna prove well, that I actually am why? involved in the universe of this silly film and i'm going to tell you why uh because they needed them dead so that uh, because there were neighbors to this house they needed the neighbors to not be there and so they killed that well hang on they kill the neighbors right they kill the neighbors they do the year next to spook that guy and then they have to clean everything up and they put him in the chair with and left the music on so that it would seem like somebody was home right i mean they had to set up a stage but if they set up a stage and left the window there then the people would have called the police Okay. Right? Correct. I mean, okay. well, I, feel but, like, I feel like it, I've just... Uh, tell me I've redeemed some of my antagonism for this. No, you're, you're right. That's It wasn't... I don't think it was as much of, like, setting up a lone, like, crazy serial killer going down the thing. The whole movie starts... I think the very first thing they say is that it's nice to have neighbors were so exactly. isolated. And that's that the one was, place they'll go. That was set up. That's the one that, thing in this yeah. film that I liked. But that being said, I think the one thing that has no reason to exist is the you're next... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a great. I point. kept waiting for that to become a thing, but they're not. They're terrorizing these people. They have crossbows and dead people. Like that's just not. Yeah. Why? Necessary. Why bother? And right. It looks right. Like, and it looks like ketchup. It's a completely <laughs> why bother thing. Yeah. 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 Why well, that well, should have been the message? Did, why bother in blood? The first house. More. More why of a. Bother? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the original. <laughs> that was the original film. title. Yeah. Needn't have bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel like it would be inappropriate for us to move on to any other uh, discussion without doing a, a brief roundtable on favorite kills. Oh. And I think because we've already mentioned it, you can't say the blender. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, uh, favorite kill for yeah. me was when, uh, because the movie came alive again, was when uh, Sh- Shawnee, I'm sorry, I, you know me in names. Shawnee. Shawnee. What? Sharni. Sharni. Oh, see, I just don't care for that name. Uh, Sharni, um, when she had the meat tenderizer and just went insane on the killer. Uh, because that something that you don't see a lot is just a the re well, I guess that's not true. A lot of time you didn't you never saw pain from killers. Killers just being completely, yeah. completely dominated. Scream changed that a bit. That they, what they did is they had the females really kind of kick the s out of people before they got killed. But I just thought that that was kind of such a heroic change in the film that I kind of got excited by it. It said something. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it, it was nice. I just because I mean just because you said that one because that one was so great. I'm gonna go with uh, with actually Crispin's at the end because it was it was just <laughs> at that point in the film it was just uh, it wasn't called for at all but it just felt good. <laughs> and I like that she didn't say anything. 
But she did. She said, why not? Not before, right? She did, but she did after. I guess I like that she didn't say, you're stuck. And then she, (laughs) she you know what I mean? Like, like it seemed like she she was sort of answering a question versus just being like, stick around. That's right. (laughs) Or she could have said, you're next. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She could have said, you're last. You're last. I love love these armchair rewrites. These are great. You made it a better movie. Steve. Steve. Oh, the other one that just really got me was the, you know, Amy running out through the door because it just was really unexpected because it was like writing like they think they've come up with this brilliant plan. They won't expect her coming out of the door full speed. And it's like, oh, yes, they will. And it just it was really just I don't know. It just got me in the gut, just really unexpected. And I thought, OK, that wow, I there's really nothing they can do. It really seemed to take the control away from them. So I enjoyed that in front of the, you know, for the first half, you know, I, I agree with, you know, with Andy and Tom, those are also quality, quality moments, but if that I want to make sure we, we mentioned that, you know, Amy's uh, neck. Well, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> what you I did. would have loved so much is if when like the second time you watch it, if it was Crispin and Felix being like, no, you're right. She's the fastest runner. Oh yeah. As <laughs> if they know that it's yeah. out there. Yeah. The uh, the thing I liked the most about it was her the that really sensitive kind of uh, cross cutting between her and dad giving her that confidence. Oh you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. The gentle nod, you can do it, honey. Uh, <laughs> I I thought that added a, a real element of believability. Yeah. Well, no, and what's... wait, that's not the word I've looked no. for. <laughs> but it was still funny. I I thought that bit was uh, that bit was amusing. So I'll give you it's, that. And I want to say, what sort of keyed me in into the. The, the comic moment, speaking of the character of Amy, is that actress was also in Upstream Color, and as, as one of the two leads that carries that film, can see her her abilities as an actress, and then to see the way the role of Amy was played, I thought, okay, just this really shrill and obnoxious and just needy character, I thought, okay, here's an actress that it, it could come across as bad acting, but since I've seen what this actress can do in, in another film, I thought, okay, that's a type that this character is playing. And maybe that was something just because I'd seen upstream color earlier in the week and, and just seen just some really dynamic acting and saw this. I thought, wow, this, this is a, a, a choice that they're, they've made for this role. It's not just poor acting. It's we're going to make this character this way. And I think that was another thing that keyed me in into the tone of the film and where they were going by having such an just, I don't want to say obnoxious, but yeah, character, you know? And so it was, it was sort of, I don't want to say I was happy to see her die, but she was one of those ones where when they're introducing everybody, her and her, her boyfriend, Tarek, or whatever, it's like, okay, these are useless characters. They're going to be some of the first to go. But it was fun also seeing Ty West in there, just knowing his kind of horror, the horror films that he's made. And so it, it was just funny to see him as this little kind of meek documentary filmmaker, yeah. which I thought was pretty funny. Have you guys seen um, The House of the Devil and The Innkeepers? I've seen the innkeepers. I've seen uh, parts of House of the Devil, but I haven't finished that one. Okay. What well, uh, he's he's done like all of the two thousands uh, horror films, right? VHS and VHS Cabin well, Fever well, Two, Spring Fever, and ABCs of Death. ABCs yeah. of Death. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that one too. Yeah. Um, 
I uh, my favorite. I think these filmmakers did too. Actually, I think, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think Adam and Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett. Simon Barrett, well. Simon Barrett who was too. also the Tiger. Uh, yes. We should make note of that. I yes. my favorite kill because it was going to be uh, Amy Seamitz, uh the uh, the garroting, uh, but Steve already took that one. I'm gonna say uh, I'm I'm gonna say the uh, screwing in the basement. Uh, the death of Drake. Uh, I, I, you know, I, and, and I think that that's the, that's probably an, an, another element that I, I found passable in the film was this idea that Drake, who was the most annoying and took the, one of the first arrows in the, uh, in, in the uh, crossbow sequence, um, you know, they made the choice to let him live a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was a bold choice to, um, now not only is he incredibly annoying, but he's annoying and in pain. <laughs> and uh, that that sort of uh, amps yeah. up the performance a little bit. Um, when he so, when he ran outside and hit his arrow shoulder on the razor wire, <laughs> yes. like, uh, yeah. was the biggest was, laugh in the film that, for me. That was great. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> Unfor- that, unfortunately for me. I think that kill belonged to Crispin. The kill belonged. To, oh, kill! What do you mean? The kill belonged to Crispin. Yeah, I mean, I know that he sort of was gone for a long time and turned out to be a pacifist, but the fact that we've already spoiled and he was in, I just, I I think there were interesting through lines that you guys brought up and other through lines that didn't pay off. If anyone had reason to really want to put a bunch of knives and screws into... You thought uh, it, oh, yeah. Drake, it was Crispin. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Set, no, up that's from the very, set up from the very beginning. Yeah. I don't know, I know that's huge rewriting, but I'm just sort of thinking... Yeah, it would have made more sense. I, I guess, yeah. I also had trouble with the fact that out of the entire family, Felix was the biggest um, cipher for me. Yeah, and so the least rewarding as a twist. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think we knew so much more about everybody else, yep. and so when Felix turned. I was like, oh, okay. He looked unhappy in that family portrait. Right, well, and you, and there was, somebody brought up something about his background. I can't remember. Did they? I, the, I guess I didn't at remember. At the dinner scene, it was either at the dinner scene or at some point he said no, it's something. When the, and it's and when Drake's... they they can't buy the they when they try the cell phones and they can't get them. He's like, well, yeah, they must oh, be yeah, right. the jammer because you can get one of those things right. for like thirty bucks online. They're like, Drake they're like Felix, like... you and you, you and your sketchy, weird, yeah, yeah, something the, the people you hang out with, right? Right. So, so uh, brought okay. up that he kind of had, you know, kind Fair of enough. that dark. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Dark He's and, the criminal and brooding. Of the family. Oh, yeah. surprise. <laughs> oh, all right uh do we have any uh, does anybody else want to try and convince me of uh why i'm totally wrong or shall we go on and rank this thing i don't think anyone will ever be able to convince you that, yeah. that you're wrong. i this is going to be a very difficult ranking because i can already guarantee you i'm never going to see this film again uh <laughs> So I'm okay. very much You're looking forward. You're on number forward. three to one. Number I, three I know, to and one. I'm I'm totally okay with that position. I'm very much looking forward to uh, how you guys uh, how you guys shake this one out. I'm I'm excited about this. You know, Wait, I will you know, say. You, you, oh, sorry, I was going to say I, I will say I'm I'm excited to see how this one does at the box office because it has been surprisingly, I think, kind of a, a good year for horror films this year. You know, I mean, huge. I'm not saying they've yeah. they've been. They've been great films, but they've been money makers. Mama, Evil Dead, The Purge, The Conjuring. And yep. I know I'm missing some other ones out there. It's been a really good year for, for horror movies that have ended up making quite a bit of money. So I'm curious to see how this one does at the box office. Well, Andy, to that point, I mean, how much of the success do you, do you attribute to a, a nice run of horror films? Like, are we, are we in sort of a cultural upswing where people are, are excited about horror films right now and... and uh... You know, 
might be blind to the fact that they're seeing actually a really terrible film. You know, it's it's always hard to say. Horror <laughs> films are are they can definitely be kind of a sign of the times, and uh, it can be one of those things. But uh, then you have things like The Conjuring I, that that I think is kind of above and beyond what you normally get in a horror film. You know, James yeah, Wan I think usually does good. some pretty good stuff. Yeah, and I'm excited about Insidious too because I liked a lot yeah. of Insidious the first one. I did too up until the end, but yeah, I, I I am very excited to see the second one, and I'm excited. Just to completely change topics for a second, but I, I was excited to see that the latest trailer they did for Insidious 2 was actually showing, just demonstrating people's heart heart rates when they watched the movie. They had ev- like a test right? where I've everybody wore little heart rate monitors on their fingers so they could actually track everybody's heart rates over the course of the film. I thought that was ingenious. That's brilliant. That is <laughs> it really brilliant. was. Instead of just that black, like the the black light, not black light, right. infrared stuff. Right, we're just watching people scream. This was actually <laughs> tracking heart rates. For Insidious 3, they're going to do that and heart rate, but then also show people going to sleep in their apartments. <laughs> that night right. And see so how, late it, how long it takes for them to sleep. I hear they have moisture sensors in the seats so they can track everybody who just pees in the Ew. middle of the <laughs> and I would be a mess. Press- <laughs> But I also have a lot of physical problems. So. <laughs> Let's rank this thing, can we? All right. Uh, if you want to see the uh, the ranking of all of our films, the top 100, the golden list, head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel. All right. Gonna, you're going to have to go to like page three for this one. Please, please, <laughs> please, 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 please. We'll see. We'll see. All right. <laughs> your next or moon? Moon. Yeah, I would go moon. Moon. All right. Well, we know uh, Pete moon, doesn't even. Moon. I'm sorry. I don't one. mean to be that kid. Like I'm the kid in the corner who won't play Monopoly anymore. Moon. You're next or Clute. Clute. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. What's Clute? I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. What's Clute? That sounds like a made-up movie. <laughs> I feel like you guys are just making like making sounds and saying. Your, hey, your did you see, did you see Deep Boop? <laughs> What's Clute? You haven't seen Clute. Clute. I guess not. I'm I sorry. Got blo- I got a blog post for you to read. I'll send you. Is it like a famous, a big famous old movie? Yeah. Pretty famous. Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda. She won her Oscar for it. Oh. Uh, I guess, should, what do I do? Do I abstain? Yes. Okay, sorry. Just sit there and be a little boy. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> do not care for that, sir. <laughs> You're next or The Wolverine. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. Because is, is it I, really a good one? Yes, it is. <laughs> because I will say, I will go back to my point of judging a film based on what, what the filmmakers are trying to accomplish. And because this one was fun, and it when even though it shifts tones, first half building suspense tension does that check. Second one, 80s cheesy, you know, horror film, check. Wolverine. Oh, it's going to be this cool. No, it's not. It's going to yeah. be a typical comic book film, which is fine, but they set it up for something. And then the filmmakers let me down. Whereas this one, the filmmakers always set a tone and, and met what they set out to accomplish. So I would pick your next over the Wolverine. So Fair would enough. I said perfectly. Yeah. Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> I will pick Wolverine based just solely on the fact that the bullet train sequence and that shot of all of the arrows with the ropes going into his back 
may moved me more than anything in your next. Hands so I will say the Wolverine. Down. What do we do now? Well, well Chad, liked the... Chad liked it. Oh, exactly. Chad That's liked it. it. You know, we should say, I want to, I have a, a quote. I'm just going to interject a quote here. Chad says, it's a 1970s, it's 1970s clothing with 1990 CD players and 1960 color tones filmed back in 2011. That's awesome. Made me confused the entire time. Animals killing people? I don't know. I barely know if we're on planet Earth. I love that. And I like that the entire family looked like a life, a real life version of the old people on the old box cover of the game Clue. Then <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> suddenly they're all being killed by kangaroos or whatever they were with arrows and axes. Awesome. Oh, that's brilliant. That's, that's our tiebreaker. I think uh, yeah. Chad's going to be the tiebreaker on creativity alone. Yeah. <laughs> he, does, he does have a problem. <laughs> He does have a problem with the, the bad son yelling out his entire plan, not knowing what had happened to the, quote, Hunger Games girl. Right. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is ripe stuff. Oh, it was great. Funny. It was a funny read. Yeah. All right. Okay. What's next? You're next or We're No Angels. I would do We're No Angels. I think so, too. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I should just have stop you, talking. Is that what you're doing? That's right. Have either of you guys seen We're No Angels? Is no, the, we have to abstain. That's the, is that the nun? No, they is... pretend to be nuns. No, nope. that's the that's, that's the, the Sean that's nuns Penn on the run. Re- no, no, no. Sorry, that's oh, the get Sean. Thinking <laughs> of the film Nuns on the Run. When uh, yeah, that's yeah. There you go. What's what's We're, We're No Angels? Angels. Testicles, Walt and Watch. There We're, you go. We're No Angels is uh, was that 1955? Uh, it was a um, Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. No, the sequel to Clues. It's the right. sequel to Clues. Sequel to Clues. I have to have <laughs> Okay. Although I love that title for like a terrible sitcom. <laughs> okay. Never Bad baby. Okay. You're next or Bullet. I'll do Bullet. Oh, you have to do Bullet. Yeah. Bullet. Yeah. yeah. Bullet. Uh, you're, you know... The nice thing about Flickchart, when every time you're ranking, it gives you a new poster every time. And I've got to say, the por- posters for your next, it is a fantastic collection. It really absolutely. is. Absolutely. They're all yeah. absolutely terrifying. Okay, your next or Bull Durham? Oh, Bull Durham. Oh, Bull Durham. Yeah. There you go. Come on. Say it. <laughs> you say it. <laughs> Wait, what is Pete's problem with Bull Durham? You guys hate me. Kevin Costner. <laughs> You hate Kevin Costner? Yes. Well, I'm not, oh. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, you guys stink. Nothing? Not even the Postman? All right. <laughs> no, I'll give you I'll give you Bull Durham. All right. Ooh. You're next or Key Largo? Key Largo. Key Largo. Key Largo. You got... Key Largo. All right. 92 out of 100, 105. Okay. That's fair. I think 92 out of 105. Oh, okay. We ranked... Your next is ninety-two. Yeah, yeah. I know that I'm still learning how this works every it's single every time. single time. Tom, now a regular, still wondering where his bedroom <laughs> is. I like that though. Uh, so, so the movies that are worse, according to oh. you people. Oh yeah, there's The Wolverine, Oz the Great and Powerful, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Pritzi's Honor, forty uh, uh, forty-two. That should be re-ranked. Yeah, forty-two is worse. Forty-two is apparently worse than uh, than that. Well, we we know how Tom feels about sports films, so yes. The Hospital, uh, Alien Resurrection, The Fifth Element, Outrage, 
uh, Strange Days, Marty, Now You See Me, Scoop, and Rush. What's Rush? I feel good about most of those. I do feel good about most of those, yeah. Is is Rush Rush the Jason Patrick drug movie? Yes. Yes. Oh, I thought that was supposed to be good. I haven't seen it. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> go back, go back Man, and listen to their review, and yeah, that race <laughs> to the bottom in a hurry. Oh, okay, cool. Oh All right. man, it was very different in 1991 when we first saw it. It was between that and Clute for tonight, so <laughs> <laughs> so that'll help. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I I regret to tell you, you have not swayed me one iota on this film, but I really did enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, bringing thanks. your A games. Well, and yes, I, I knew we were never going to sway you. So uh, it was just <laughs> one of those. It was one of those conversations where it's like, should we should we try to just uh, piss each other off, or should, or should we, we do it without have, Pete at all? <laughs> should we just have fun? Should we should we scare him and have him cry in the corner? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, well, this was good fun. Uh, do we have any any other closing elements before I... Uh, any other closing news? Nothing? Do we want to talk about what we're doing? Do we even know what we're doing next time? We actually do. We do, yeah. We have we? decided in advance. Yeah, we uh, we decided we were going to do Prisoners. Oh, good! Yay! I'm really yeah. excited to see that movie. Oh, Sorry. Child abduction films. I know. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's sure. got to redeem Hugh Jackman, so... Yes. <laughs> right. This the, is the, the new, uh, I think it's, uh, is it Denis Villeneuve film? I don't know how, it's a very French name. Denise, Denis Villeneuve. I don't know. This I don't is, speak French. Yeah, this is, uh, I, you know, I, I, I too am looking forward to seeing this film. It looks, It'll be a great one to take the kids to. And then you can say, see what happens when you don't listen to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very, very nice arrested development moment there. <laughs> did, I, did I ever tell you? Did I ever tell you the story of trust? Can I share a quick story? This is a good one to leave people with. Oh, uh, next door, next door neighbors has two little kids and a guy. Uh, guys, um, you know, they were climbing up on their roof, and uh, he's from, you know, he's from Jersey, and he's kind of a, he's, you'd think of him as kind of a made man, kind of a portly guy. Comes up and he says, "Hey, you know, jump, jump down off the roof. I'll catch you." No, you're not going to catch me. No, I'll catch you. No, you're not going to catch me. This is his son, father to son. So the kid screws up his last bit of courage, and he jumps. And the dad steps out of the way, and the kid comes crashing onto the lawn. And the dad looks at him and says, don't ever trust nobody, and walks away. <laughs> that was scarier than anything in your next. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about all of you for making me go see this movie. And uh, you hereby are not redeemed. So this has been fantastic. I love you all. Tom Metz, Steve Sarmento, Andy Nelson, as usual. And we will be back uh, with Barton Fink, our regularly scheduled show on Thursday. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Andy, however, doesn't thank anybody. No. Never. Oh, thanks. No. Sorry. <laughs> Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? 
supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 